Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I'm talking with Medium Floor. Floor has been named one of the best mediums in Los Angeles by CBS and LA Magazine. Her innate ability to directly communicate with loved ones in spirit has connected countless families from all around the world. Additionally, in her home location of Los Angeles, she's become largely sought after in the entertainment industry during readings for well-known A-list musicians, actors, and politicians. Fleur first discovered her gifts as a young girl. Starting at the age of four, she heard voices all the time, spirits visited visited in her bedroom at night, and she saw auras around people. However, it was many years later while attending UCLA as a pre-med student that she gave her first reading. Word of mouth spread quickly, and after graduating, she began giving readings full-time. Since that time, Fleur's given over 7,000 readings. Residing in Los Angeles with her little dog, Phoebe, Fleur is on a mission to connect as many people as she can to their loved ones on the other side. Welcome, Fleur. Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. It's my pleasure. I I want to begin just with the story of how you've come to be on my show because it's special to me. Um, I've had a guest a few times, Claire Bidwell-Smith, and her last book, I I had her when she uh, came out with her first book, Rules of Inheritance, about her parents' deaths and her process of grief. And then when she came out with her book, After This, When Life is Over, Where Do We Go?, And the final chapter is um, a reading she had with you. But I hadn't remembered that. And I told her someday I might do it myself because, you know, grief counselors should should know what it's about a little bit because people go to mediums uh, pretty frequently in grief. Um, But it's not a natural thing that all therapists do. But um, so I said I'd get in touch with her when I got ready to do it. And I finally did. And I reached out and she she kind of reached back and said, Fleur, no one but Fleur. <laughs> so, and, and then I thought, well, that will happen at some point. But meantime, um, you'd be the perfect person to just come on and talk about um, that, uh, you know, what you've learned about grief through the work that you do, which is coming from a very different angle than, uh, in some ways, than, than therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you, that you heard about it that way. I think, um, I think it's, it's so funny to me how people hear about me. I, I've heard two different stories this week. One, somebody was getting a pedicure and the lady next to her had seen me and the other was walking her dog. So I think, <laughs> I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of great. Uh, I think mediumship is one of those really rare things that once you experience it, um, it, it, it's, yeah, it's like, it's a very, it's a very odd thing, I think. So I'm trying to bring it out into the public a little bit more. 
Well, you you know, I guess uh, that's that's another interesting thing about you, from my view. You know, I've I've gone and watched a lot of videos that you've been in, and and this and that, and you're um, accessible. You know, there's nothing. If I passed you on the street, you'd you'd seem like you know a pe- a person on the street, not not particularly unusual even. I hide um, my crazy very well. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, but it's a di- maybe a little different kind of crazy, or maybe not. Exactly. We might get into that later. <laughs> but, um, you know, because of this background, I mean, you were going to be a doctor, you, you have yeah. uh, CLA education, you know, um, you can't be kind of entirely written, do- written off too easily, do you find? That people sort of yeah. have to consider a little bit more? <laughs> you know what? I think it's funny because I think a lot of people just assume for some reason that mediumship is a job you choose when there aren't many other options for some reason. Um, <laughs> but I think they're often surprised when you say, well, I did do really well in school, actually. I went to International Science Fair. I was a huge nerd. Went to a great university. was on the med school path. And this I loved more. I chose to do this. I think that does really blow people's minds. So it really is definitely a job that I'm very passionate about. It doesn't feel like a job for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think it makes it so that people have maybe a little bit of an easier time to ask me the questions that they might not ask somebody who maybe doesn't come from a more like rational background or they, they feel somewhat secure in, in asking a little bit more kind of detailed questions about the, the science of it, you know. Yeah, and we will get into that, but I was I was thinking as I was investigating, you know, I have three daughters. Uh, they, they run in age from 24 to 36, um, and I was imagining them coming home. They're all graduates of college now. And I was imagining one of them coming home and saying, you know, I'm no longer going to be an interior designer slash teacher slash working in the arts. I'm going to be a medium. Um, and how your parents, I know that your parents kind of uh, accepted your gifts more than some parents might have. But was that that a hard transition, kind of uh, letting everyone know you weren't going to do the doctor thing and you were going to go in this completely other direction? You know, you would anticipate that. You would, you would think that me coming home and saying, I'm going to be a medium, um, really would have been a hard transition for my parents. But it was actually them who made me kind of say, oh, this is a job opportunity. I really did it on the side. I was trying to juggle two jobs, so to speak, um, like right after graduating from college when I was just, was deciding whether or not I wanted to go the MCAT route. I was juggling two jobs. I worked as a Dutch translator in a multimedia company, and I was doing mediumship on the side. And... Um, it really was hard because I was working. I was working nights doing the mediumship, and it was really my parents who said, "Well, for like this has been around you your entire life. We certainly had to deal with it when you were younger. It took up a large percentage of our family's efforts uh, to to you know try to understand it and try to try to work with it. Like, please, 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 um, give it a go. At least give it a good go because it's it's not going away and 
I think they had seen enough from my childhood and had seen how it impacted other people to, to see that it made a difference, uh, which, is, which is funny coming from very rational parents. It, it still blows my mind. I feel like maybe somehow the spirit world influenced them to say yes. I'm not quite sure, but it really, it really blows my mind. They're, they were so supportive, like to the extremes of it. Um, and, and really never once said, are you sure? Uh, it was quite the opposite where I said, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And, and they were like, well, we are, we've seen it. Like you should go do it. <laughs> so, so that's it was, so, that's it, so interesting. I mean, I, I always think that's the, the sign of a tremendous parent when they, um, don't bring their own hopes for the kid into it too much and just see what who are you you know <laughs> what do you Absolutely. have in the world and and what what's your particular gift I think that's a wonderful thing so thank you to oh, your I'm parents so yeah <laughs> absolutely you know I was at Christmas dinner last year and we're sitting around the table and my sister just finished her master's in musical performance and I thought and I said to them I said you know dad engineer mom former journalist that must have been so hard to now have a medium and a musician as the two daughters. <laughs> um, and they were like, oh, we never really thought about it like that. You're both doing so well. We're so proud of you. And I was like, wow, mind blown once again. So, you know, they are really quite amazing people. <laughs> you know, I, ha- I have a friend. She, she's also been on the show. Her name is Amakela. She's an incredible musician. And she was in medical school when she was the victim of a hate crime. And tried to go back to medical school. Uh, she she healed through her music, um, wow. and you know she was supposed to die. She was supposed to lose her legs. She was supposed to be uh, disabled for life. She's not any of those things, and she's credited music. So she tried to go back to medical school. Well, it didn't work. She she just couldn't do it. And she ended up yeah. quitting medical school, and she's a full-time musician. And she oh, she considers that her healing practice. So I just wonder, if in, in a way, if you aren't still in a healing practice, just not Western medicine. Oh, absolutely. I, I do really believe that. I think the pull to Western medicine at the time was because I didn't have a defined kind of I knew the feeling of wanting to help people, I think, but when you go into high school and you're sitting with your career counselor, they're not going to say medium as an option, you know? Yes. And uh, I certainly wasn't going to tell anyone I had any of these experiences. So it was really seemingly the only option in the kind of social construct of what it meant to be a healer. And I think I was capable of it. I'd always had kind of a sciencey mind for things. Um, organic chemistry was my favorite subject, you know, go figure. So I, it just felt like the natural fit. It was, it was like one plus one equals two. Like, of course I'm going to be a doctor. I want to help people. Science is relatively easy for me. We'll make it work. So I think it just was never something I thought about very critically beyond those definitions for myself and then when mediumship came into the picture I really felt like it wasn't so much of a choice it it felt to me like it was just constantly coming back into my life and and really as a child wasn't necessarily the easiest experience and so I think um I, I never thought it could be a job I just thought it was something that was happening to me and I needed to figure out and it wasn't until much later that I realized people actually wanted to talk to the dead people I was seeing, you know, that never mm. crossed my mind. I just wanted them out the room. 
So, <laughs> I, I can imagine that. Get go away. I'm busy doing something else, like being a four year old. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So it never crossed my mind that anyone would actually want to have a conversation, and they would be happy for it. Just wasn't wasn't on my radar. So, so all those facts put together just led me to medicine. That's interesting. So you said just a minute ago, um, it kept happening to you. It kept coming up, mm-hmm. basically. And I oh, wondered, yeah. like, would you all of a sudden be talking to someone and seeing some person of theirs? How did it keep coming up? Well, when I was younger, I was so open, I guess, that people that I saw that are, I guess we could call them spirit people or those in the spirit world, um, they were very much like 3D, very similar looking to you and I. Um, and I talked to them just like I would have a conversation here as I'm doing with you. You know, ask a question, get a response, listen. Uh, the, the whole process was very, very similar. So I think what really convinced my parents when I was younger is they would just quiz me. You know, we'd have my great-grandmother there. I'd never met her, and they'd just start asking questions. And I would, mm. I would say, hold on one second. I need to hear the answer. Please stop talking. I can't hear her, you know. So everyone's <laughs> like, okay, uh, this is kind of strange. But the answers were correct. And, you know, my dad, as an engineer, the father, was like, there's no way you could know those nicknames, and that's bizarre, and, you know, it's, it's truthful. But it just kept coming in. So as, as I was younger, that was very much a three-dimensional experience for me, so to speak, uh, and then as I got older, I realized other people weren't seeing what I was seeing, which made it something that I wanted to push away as much as possible and was decently successful in until I was about 18 and went to college. It all came back and not as not as intensely in that I wasn't seeing three-dimensional people, but I would see things and hear things and know things, and, and it was just a constant flood of information that I knew I needed to figure out. Like it wasn't something I was going to be able to just push back and hope it didn't, didn't affect my, uh, affect my daily life. So at one point when I was 18, I just realized I need to, I need to figure this out for myself. And, and did you do that by contemplation or just in case there are some people out there having these sorts of experiences, mm-hmm. yeah, how do you figure yeah, no, well, a thing like that out? Well, I went to a medium uh, from a very skeptical, because at this time I'm 18, I'm studying neuroscience at UCLA, I've convinced myself there is no afterlife, that I just had a very vivid imagination and I somehow convinced everyone around me that there was one. Um, and so I, I had created the whole story for myself. You know, at 18, this is, this is just wild imagination. And, and as this stuff starts coming back in, I really went from the perspective of, well, I need to figure out if I'm crazy or not. So before I check myself into a psych ward, um, let me go and talk to a medium, talk to somebody else who does this, and, and we'll see. You know, I'll try to come at it from a relatively open point of view, and, and we'll see. Because I had never had the experience of someone giving me a reading. I'd never had the experience of hearing it from somebody else. It had always come from my own perception. So it's hard to know when you're in the middle of it to really be able to factor out yeses and nos and truths and it's, it's all coming from your own perception so you're in the middle of it, it, it you know even from a scientific point of view you're extremely biased at that point you're in you're in the very center of it so I thought okay I'm going to go to a medium and I'm going to see what she says and and we'll kind of just figure out whether or not it's real 
so I went and I and I sat in front of her and she said within two seconds she goes you're supposed to be a medium you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing you're gonna be you're gonna be working within a year and a half uh, and I just walked out of that session so mad because I was like you can't tell me what to do <laughs> I'm about to go to medical school what are you yeah, talking about exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's not what I'm doing at all. <laughs> and um, But she said a couple of things that really hit home that I thought, there's no way she could know that about my grandpa. There's just, you know, one of the things she had said was that my grandpa's favorite flower was the poppy and that um, the poppy would be really significant. And he, I had always associated with him with poppy flowers. He used to plant poppies in his backyard. It was just so, it was one of those things where I was like, out of all the flowers for her to pick up on, not to mention the fact that she knew he had a heart attack and she knew he was 79 and like all this stuff. I was like, okay, all right, there's something to this. So I started meditating and it really took off from there. But it was just that I needed that catalyst. I needed to be able to see it from an outside perspective and to recognize, I think for myself, that there was purpose in a reading, that it was helpful um, to do that work. Uh, and to experience it firsthand to say, oh, there's really actually something to this. Like that was oddly comforting um, in a way that I had not expected. And I wasn't even going at it from a place of massive grief because my grandfather had passed years before. So it was very interesting. It was very comforting. It was like, oh, I guess he's here. Uh, and I knew that, huh. but it was nice almost to have somebody else tell me. You have know? it confirmed when, when by I someone. And mm-hmm. we're about to take a break now, but when we get back, I'd really like to talk more deeply about this. You know, some people in my profession, not me, but some people, you know, sort of feel like people are avoiding grief by going to a medium, like... Uh, tell me that person's still here, you know, so I don't have to grieve. That hasn't been my mm. perception, but I'd love to talk with you about how those two things intersect, the need for grief and that process. I'd love to talk about that. With, yeah. with you know, um, what it is to make contact. Um, I have sort of my own angle, and I'd like to know your angle. So when we get back, let's talk about that. And ne- meanwhile, listeners, you can go to my website and social media, Good Grief at Voice America. Please be in touch with me. I'd love to hear how you're responding to the shows and and be able to let you know what's coming up. And to find Fleur, go to Medium Fleur. It's F-L-E-U-R dot com. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones. And I've been talking with Fleur. She's a medium who... here. Uh, communicates with people who have died and um, does readings for people in that in that um, world. And um, before the break, Flora, we were just starting to talk about this this um, you know the need which which I believe we do need to grieve. Um, uh, it, you know, we can get really tied up in knots if we try to make that not happen. Um, but also the the great and deep comfort is, it is to feel connection with the people that have died and how you see that in your work. Do, do you, uh, you know, you work with people, of course, many of whom are in grief, I'm sure, because they, they've lost someone they want to communicate with. Um, how, does, how do you think your work intersects with that grief process? It's a, it's a great question. I will start off by saying I ask that people don't come to see me within three to six months of losing someone, depending on how severe the loss is, because I have found very early on that if I work with someone within the first three months, there is not a lot that I can do as a medium, because they're generally in such a state of shock um, that the information almost doesn't really get past the point of someone has passed. And I have found it to be really nice to wait some time, not for the spirit world. The spirit world can connect any second, but really for us here in the world to get to at least start that grieving process and then have mediumship come in as just an extra rather than the start of the grieving phases. Um, I also, in part for that reason, don't allow people to come back more than once a year. So I would never want to be a crutch for someone. It's not something that we can bring them back with. Um, It's a moment to say, look, they're here, but life goes on, and they're not in the physical world. So we need to make sure that you're living a very uh, strong physical presence here. Um, But I have seen people really, I think almost in every single session, there's a moment where you can just see weight lift off of somebody's shoulders. It's either Mm -hmm. the unanswered questions that have been on loop 
that they can't seem to not find an answer to and keep going. You know, the sense of, had I been there? Or was that really the reason that they passed? Or we were fighting and, you know, then they passed suddenly and, 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 and what, what does that mean? Uh, are we going to be in an eternal fight? Um, so those kind of on-loop questions where uh-huh. you have the reading and, and you give the facts. So you say, you know, I've got a man here and he was your husband and he was 52. And so you're giving the evidence. So you're like, okay, well, there must, must be someone here. Um, uh-huh. And that sounds an awful lot like my husband. And how could you know that? So there's already kind of the evidence aspect of it. And then there's the opportunity to ask those on-loop questions and actually get an answer, which can sometimes just be enough. After that, I always feel like I did my best job when somebody after a session feels like they never have to come see me again. Um, it's just that one time and then, and then they can go on and do their therapy. They can go on and do the other means to work through that grief because the grief isn't gone. That person is still left. That person has still uh, left a, a, a giant hole in that person's life. But there's a sense also of knowing that when you've stayed behind in the physical world and, and maybe if you were a caretaker, if you were a parent, um, that that responsibility of taking care of that individual who is now passed is no longer yours. You can let it go. Or the answer has been given that you were looking for. Or you just need to know they're around and you're not crazy. And that <laughs> part of your, yeah, you know, and part of your healing, healing work can be that you wake up in the morning and you say, gosh, I really feel like he's here, and you, and you feel like there's some truth to it. Um, I think even just the dialogue of, of getting to bring our past loved ones into our life in such a way that we don't never speak about them and we don't bring it up ever is, is quite healing in and of itself to say, you know, their, their energy exists and they continue forward, they, that dead isn't necessarily dead. And that isn't going to change the grieving process because they're still not here in the physical world. But I think it does sometimes soften it for people so they can at least get started on the next phase and they don't just get stuck in, in one level of it. You know, that intersects with a psychological idea that I have, um, don't lose more than you have to. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when, when my wife died, for instance, I had a two-and-a-half-year-old and a 14-year-old. Um, losing that life partner, co-parent, uh, cooker of wonderful food, you know, all those earthly yeah. things was a big deal. But Absolutely. I didn't, I, I, I actually didn't feel as if I'd lost her. Um, and... Now, you know, it's maybe 21 years later, I very much uh, depend on um, her in the sense of if I'm stuck in my work, I'll say, okay, what do you think? You know, (laughs) I don't know what to do next. Um, There's a kind of ongoing um, sense of support that I have. Um, I'm certainly very well supported by my, my earthly wife. I've remarried a long time ago. But there's something about having someone who's in another kind of realm that is very meaningful to me. So I, I, that's how I intersect with what you're saying. I love that. I couldn't agree more. I think it's really beautiful the way you said that, don't lose more than you have to, because I do think that really is the essence of, of mediumship, 
in that it's it's not a crutch, I would hope. I think it's more of a reminder that not everything is lost and uh, that there's definitely a loss that has to be dealt with, but it's but the essence of, of the energy of that person, the connection, the love, that, that continues to exist. And do you think that that would be a viewpoint shared by mediums in general? Or do you think sometimes people are trying to bypass, trying to help other people bypass grief? I know you don't know every medium, so I'm not asking. Exactly. I'm just, okay. I'm just <laughs> sort of asking impressionistically. Like, how does your profession view um, view that issue? You know, it's not a very large group of people uh, in terms of full time working mediums of the world and the ones that do it. I think from the place that I do it, but every single one that I know uh, would 100% agree on what we've just talked about. So that may be then a misperception, you know, just like people think if they go to a counselor, um, it means they're crazy, you know, which of course it doesn't, Uh, that that would be a false idea of, of your profession um, that people have, but it's not really true. That, Absolutely. That. Or, or also, you know, the perception I think gets brought up a lot is that people assume that most people who would come to see me actually already believe in an afterlife or have gone to see people like me before, where in actuality, I think 90% of the people who come see me have never seen a medium before, have no experience, are quite skeptical, and they're really coming at it from a place of, we'll see, um, so, and I think so kind of might be a prove re- it, mm-hmm. a sort of prove yeah. it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's surprising to most people. I know that when I've told that to even friends, everyone's like, really? I, I think most, I would assume most people who come to see you are already totally convinced. And I'm like, well, then why would they come see me? <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it's, I think it's, it's an interesting uh, misperception and I think you'd be surprised at the types of people who come see me as well. I, I get very few people who look new agey, I would say. And I, I get a lot of businessmen and uh, doctors and teachers and, like, you know, normal people. Well, the thing is, I feel as if in some way, and I've talked about this on the show before, it's the best kept secret in the world that people want to continue their relationships. Uh, You know, if I talk to 100 grievers, 99%, if I give them permission, are going to tell me how they continue to relate to their loved one, but they don't feel like that's okay. Uh, And so... Maybe in a sense, grief counselors and mediums have in common sort of um, at at the best supporting people's ongoing relationships with oh yeah uh, our dead people as it were. I couldn't agree more. And it and it oddly I think gives people permission, like you said, you know, not that they need it to begin with, but I think sometimes maybe we need that third party person to say. You're not crazy. This is good. You know, this is um, is, is real. Uh, I think you know some of the things that have really kept me going are 
are those kind of emails that I get after having done a reading. And one of the most touching was from a man who did not come to get a reading himself, but his wife came to get a reading. And he emailed me afterwards just to say thank you for bringing my wife back because for 15 years after the death of our son, she was not able to get up in the morning, wasn't able to really be a present mother for our five other children. And we've, I've got my wife back. They've got their mother back. There was just something that she needed to hear that was able to kind of push her forward and make it so that she could continue having a relationship with that son um, in, in this life. And it's, it's moments like that where you think, all right, you know, the, this, is, this is a powerful tool. It's not the only tool, and I hope that she continued therapy and her work in other ways too, but I think it can be a really great catalyst for healing as well, especially when somebody's come into a plateau with it. You know, the, it's it's interesting. I'm kind of um, feeling as if we we're going at the same thing from you know we're we're kind of coming from different sides of the same mountain because um, I notice that people often cut off conversations they're having in their head with someone they've lost, and once that conversation gets a chance to go forward there's movement again uh, they're not stuck yeah. anymore um, so I can imagine if if uh, you know if I'm not able to be successful at that at at helping people to allow that then someone like you could could be helpful in just kind of saying yeah go ahead <laughs> you know go ahead and, yeah. t- and, and talk to them it's perfectly fine <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And vice versa. You know, I don't think that any healing modality out there is cookie cutter for everyone. And so I think it's just, it's one of the tools in the toolbox. So what I'd like to move towards is since this is true of myself and probably lots of listeners, um, Getting you to share a little bit about the process of a reading. How how does that, at its best, if you think of a reading that you've given that just went um, just right, you know what what would have yeah. happened? Okay, well I could I could tell you about the last one. Um, uh, so I did a reading like thirty minutes ago, um, and. She came in, and, and nobody ever tells me anything about who they want to connect with. So I actually do my best work if you give me absolutely nothing. Um, what I do is I explain the process to you. I say, you know, I'm, I'm a medium. Uh, what I do is I simply open up my awareness. I allow those who come into the room to step forward. We'll work with them one by one. So I always tell people if we're working with someone, you say, Lovely that they're here, but totally not the person I need to talk to. Let me know. We'll give them their two minutes. We'll say, all right, move it along. You know, it's like <laughs> great Uncle Larry is here. Like, that's great, Larry, but we need you to move along. <laughs> we can do that. Um, and they'll start stepping forward and they'll start seeing, feeling, hearing, and knowing information. And all I need from my recipient, from the person who came in for the reading, is just a yes or a no. So either yes, that's factual information, or no, it's not. Now, once we get started... Ideally, we're looking at 95% yeses, maybe 5% noes. Hopefully, some of those noes, you'll go home and you'll find out that, oh, look, that was a yes after all. Um, But, you know, and then maybe there's a few percentage points there just for miscommunication, uh, which happens in 
real life too. Uh, (laughs) I've noticed that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sometimes I find it really funny because, you know, people are like, well, 90% of it was correct, but that last 10%, I'm not quite sure. I'm like, well, I mean, when was the last time you had a conversation with a living person and you understood 100% of it? (laughs) So... uh, I always feel like, you know, give, give me that 5 to 10% leeway there, uh, just, just in the communication of it. But so they, they step in, and I'm, I'm starting to relay the information that, that comes in. And it can be, uh, it, it generally starts in such a way that we're just identifying those who want to speak. So I'll say something along the lines of, I feel your mother is in the spirit. Um, she's stepping in here first, and I'll say yes. Uh, mom's deceased and as this lady she was actually quite lovely but uh, so I start to kind of see information about her I knew that she had divorced her husband early on in life I know that she'd had three kids and four grandkids and she'd gotten to meet the four grandkids and I knew she moved every two three years and I saw her smoking and you know she said yes she was a pack a day smoker and it felt to me as well that she knew that only two of her three kids were present in the room at the time that she passed. They're just some like evidential information. And then we get onto the messages and, and we talk about, you know, what mom has seen since she's passed and um, that some of those unanswered questions that, that seem to kind of be uh, on her daughter's mind. Uh, so it's a 50 minute session. We talk a lot, but it's, it's really just me talking. I think that's probably the biggest difference between the work that you do and what I do is I'm sure in your sessions, your client speaks mostly. And in my sessions, uh-huh. if they say more than just a yes or a no, I kindly tell them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, de- no. you're, deliver- you're delivering something and I'm yeah. uh, inviting something, maybe yeah, I would exactly. say. Let's continue with that when we get back. We have our second break right now, and then I'd like to hear more about that, you know, how that goes with people. Uh, you, uh, Listeners, you can go to my website. That's uh, weatheringgrief.com and also my, my host page at Voice America. And to find Floor, you can go to mediumfloor, that's F-L-E-U-R.com. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. 
To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Fleur, and we've been talking about um, her work as a medium and um, how that how how that experience is for the people she works with. And you were, you know, kind of describing the way the um, the way the session goes. And uh, I thought that I was kind of smiling over here, you know, um, with the difference between you not really wanting much from the person, but to listen to what you're saying, as opposed to me trying to, you know, listen myself to what the person says that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I'm guessing there's probably moments where that's it, people say something and and of course there's many um, moments in my work where I'm speaking but um, what would your I, I know your best hope is just uh, giving accurate messages to people but um, I'm aware of you as a person in this that uh, you know you're hearing all these quite emotionally resonant things, um, things that have a lot of meaning to the people you're you're sitting with. And I'm wondering how that affects you. Uh, oh, that's a good question. Well, I think at the end of the day, it really makes the job worthwhile, to be honest, because it is tiring, as I'm sure you know in your own work, too. Um, it definitely takes energy to be present with someone for an entire hour, and especially when they're working through some big, big life stuff. Um, and I would say it has affected me in probably a lot of ways. I think I grew up pretty fast in that when you listen to all these stories, you definitely start looking at life a little bit differently. Uh, I think you definitely take a moment to appreciate what you've got, um, especially after a really hard reading where you go, oh, gosh, that is... That is a hard life thing to have to go through. I'm, I'm definitely feeling grateful today. Um, uh-huh. And so I think just from a personal perspective, I think sometimes I, I really do feel like I get a glimpse into people's lives and I get to see it through their eyes for those 50 minutes. So thereby feeling like I've, I've had a lot of life experiences. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I, I do also find that it's been really important for me to find how I recharge and how I can shake things off and be pretty strict about that in terms of making sure I have a regular yoga practice, making sure, like, I I really love to go dancing. I go salsa dancing all the time. I find that it is the best way for me to get out of my own head. And if I've had a tough day with a lot of really sad kind of misery, um, I, I got to go salsa dancing. So I, I find ways, I think, to balance myself out, to fill my life with family and friends, to appreciate the moments that are great. Uh, and, and honestly, the, the work is really worth it. Uh, it, it. It sounds sad, I think, sometimes to, to reflect on, on death all day. But at the end of the day, you can also look at it as the only reason that person is sitting in front of me is because 
there's a love connection or they really want to hear from that person who's passed over. And, and I hope that if I pass, somebody wants to come and talk to me. You know? So it's, <laughs> it's kind of a beautiful thing. Well, and then the other thing is, I, I don't imagine how you could do the work you do and not have a pretty strong belief in the continuance of our kind of life force. I don't know what you call, you said spirits, but, um, you know, I don't know how you talk about that, but you would have to kind of incorporate that into your view of life and death. And so in that sense, you talk to a lot of uh, live entities, I guess, or yeah, you know, it's a it's a funny thing. I think I when I'm doing the work, um, that idea of is there an afterlife is very much not even relevant. It's like, well, they're obviously here, you know, and and I'm obviously <laughs> getting information somehow, and I and I can't possibly question it. Uh, after the session, when I'm not in that headspace, I definitely still have moments where I'm like, really? Like, how? Why? You know, and so I think I'm human in that way. But in the moment, I'm like, oh, no, this couldn't be more clear. So it's uh, it's quite funny. <laughs> well, and so during the session, that would imply to me that you might actually be happy to share that with people, that part of your experience would Oh, be joyful yeah. uh, and, and then the doubts are a, another thing I guess I think yeah I think the doubts just human I think like the idea of there being something else I am completely convinced of um, how exactly it looks I still really wrangle with myself I think um, I might not fully understand it until I myself have, have passed over um, and and really, at the end of the day, I give what I get. Like, I, I give the messages that I receive, and it resonates. And I think at the end of the day, I do my best work when I take myself out of the equation, when I realize it has nothing to do with me. Um, I just need to be a clear, clear channel. So yes. it, it's, it's interesting, because who I am in a session is, is who I am, but it, it's very much focused on the work. And it doesn't necessarily take in uh, every other part of me. Well, that's a similarity in our professions, I'd say. I I could say exactly the Mm -hmm. same thing, that I don't want to get in the way of things too much. I want to be kind of a channel for whatever is helpful. um, Absolutely. In some sense. So I know that you um, do... These one one to one sessions. You also do some bigger. Uh, you do some teaching and you do some uh, very large, many many people um, readings. Yes, can you talk yes. some about what that's like? Because um, it, it it sounds as if you've learned to just to limit who's coming through in a given moment, but that would have to be different when you're working with, I don't know, how many hundreds of people at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So the the group readings, they vary from, I would say, 60 to sometimes 250, 300 people. Um, And as I stand on stage, I really feel like it sounds kind of odd, but I feel like the spirit world kind of lines up for me. So I don't really have to do too much managing. Uh, They just come in one by one. 
and I work with individual people. So the spirit world is, I'm sorry to interrupt, but does that mean you perceive the spirit world to be quite polite? (laughs) You know, I think it's one of those things, yes and no. I think oftentimes I kind of joke about it where I feel like I'm kind of trying to get toddlers to listen to me to some degree um, where, (laughs) you know, you can only do so much. But I think when you say something along the lines of, hey, look, if you're not in line, you're not coming through. Uh, then it, it kind of simplifies things. All of a sudden, everyone's real nice about it. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, I think for the most part it works. Every once in a while, you've got some kind of rogue, energetic person that steps forth where you're like, oh, where'd that come from? But uh, I think for the most part, it works out. And I do think there's an intelligence to the energy that and the spirit that survives the physical form. So I very much feel like there's an intelligence to it. Uh, so, yeah, they line up. We work with them very quickly. So in a session, I've got 50 minutes. But on stage, I'm rattling off information in five to eight minutes um, about somebody. And it goes really quite rapid fire. And uh, I move throughout the audience. And I'll probably get to a good, hopefully, 15-plus people uh, throughout the night. I think it's a great way to see mediumship if you're like, oh, not quite sure about this. Um, I think it's actually really touching because you get to hear glimpses of people's stories. Uh, and it's a way to possibly get a reading without having to wait so long. Um, so it's going to be July 8th. It's on a Saturday night, 7 and 9, uh, in Burbank at the Colony Theater. And if they go to my website, they can just do mediumflare.com forward slash colony. I'll take you directly to the page. So I I really love doing those big shows. I also teach, like you said before, I think everyone has an intuition and I think everyone can connect to their own loved ones. They might not be able to be a medium working for other people, but I think there's something innately within us that if we have a soul within our physical body, then we can also connect to souls outside of it because we have the same language. We already have that common denominator. Well, that's an interesting thing you're saying. So you think there's an innate ability to connect, but not necessarily an innate ability to do what you do. Absolutely. Is that a matter of, what What do you think that's a matter of what makes the difference? Just some people have that kind of gift or? I think it's like anyone can learn how to dance, but I will never be a ballerina no matter how many hours I train, you know? <laughs> so I think, I think that, um, I think it's similar. I think maybe, maybe my physiological structure is just a little bit different. Um, maybe it's to do with purpose and, and life path. Uh, I'm not sure, but I do know that I think if you're meant to do mediumship for the public, from, from what I've seen, it generally shows up pretty early on in life and it's pretty apparent. Um, it's not it's not something you're going to be like, oh, I wonder, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's, uh, it's pretty pretty much set for you. And I think that the ability, like I said before, the ability to learn how to dance with enough practice, you could you could get anybody to do a couple steps to something, you know. Uh, and I think it's similar to to mediumship. I think we just don't think about it in those terms because it's a bit taboo and it's a bit out there but I think it's a language that children are so much more naturally aligned with. I think kids are always surprising us with what they what they say and how attuned they are to things um, and I think oftentimes we just forget we just outlearn it 
we, we somehow distance ourselves from the subtlety that we once experienced. You know, that resonates with me because my younger child was two and a half uh, when my wife died. And um, she had a very strong connection to her for a long, long time. Um, that yeah. seemed very present, you know, it didn't seem like, uh, you know, it seemed very much like her connection to everybody else yeah. <laughs> in me yeah, and absolutely. and my other child and, you know, the whole works, um, just very convincingly present. So, um, and that faded out over time, but uh, it was very evident at first when that. she was that young. So that, that's amazing. That, that feels and true to me. And you hear that all the time. Yeah, you hear it all the time. From I have so many parents who who say similar things that they say. You know, I um, I had this one couple. Uh, I was talking about her father who had passed, and I said, you know, you've got this newborn. Your father's quite aware, um, and your newborn must look in the left corner of the room intensely for hours at a time. And they said, oh, thank God, we thought there was something wrong with him. Because he just stares at the corner. <laughs> uh-huh. They were like, you can imagine, can't you? <laughs> yeah. That would seem like very, very odd behavior, huh? Yeah, they're like, we can't get him to break a stare. <laughs> so they were, so, they were so funny about it. Um, they were first-time parents, you know, and it was, it was just right. uh, such a worry. Well, you would think <laughs> autism or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, they're if like, oh, thank goodness, weird. that's what it is. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was pretty funny, but I do think kids are open to that in a way that we we just forget. We get really socially um, kind of just yeah calibrated out of it, so to speak. So reminding I, ourselves that we have the opportunity that they, we have that ability is is actually just as easy as just kind of peeling back the layers. And I guess we can we can thank your parents for not shutting that down in you because I do think um, anything uh, in Western culture anything that seems a little bit um, uh, you know out of the rational let's say um, often gets trained out of kids. So absolutely, you were probably well, I think I was felt, lucky. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up in the Netherlands, which I think is also. You know, maybe a big part of that. It's not as uh, not as quick to diagnose. I think sometimes. Um, so wasn't encouraged or discouraged. Was just kind of there. It's just kind of matter of fact, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just kind of there. <laughs> well, that I wish more of that would come back here. Um, I, I have to tell you, just spending an hour talking about this has been very uh, enlivening. To oh, me. I'm so glad. It's been yeah. fun. Well, we're, any last words? We're in our last minute here. Um, and uh, I guess what I would say is um, people go look at Flora's website and um, watch her do readings because you can, there are some, some videos. And I just really want to thank you for being with us today, Flora. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for having me on and thanks for bringing mediumship into the discussion on grief, I think it's really powerful and I'm very thankful that you are championing that cause. 
Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, Listeners, next week I'll have Joe DiNardo to talk about his book, A Letter to My Wife. Joe used his 30-year meditation practice to face the illness and death of his wife from pancreatic cancer. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.